put your hand like this. You feel like singing just a little bit? I'll teach you a song. It goes this. It says, Who can satisfy my soul like you? Who on earth can comfort me and love me like you do? Who could ever be more faithful and true? I will trust in you. I will trust in you. My God, who can satisfy my soul like you? Who on earth can comfort me and love me like you do? Yes, who could ever be more faithful and true? See, I will trust in you. I will trust in you, my God. in you. Is there anybody trusting in Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus? My God, there there is a fountain. There is. He's a victorious warrior. Reigns up. 
race upon earth. who are around the throne we lift our voice like a mighty choir today Lord we sing down just a little bit in the hot in the monitor just a little bit down bring the track down if you know it sing Every day of our lives, we lift our voice and we sing to you, Lord. He's even shaking and invading in homes. The devil goes like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But God, I pray you would touch every person in this place. Some trust in chariots. 
Some trust in horses, but we trust and remember the name of the Lord our God. Holy. Jesus, you're holy. Oh, oh. church sing sing worthy for you you are holy holy oh yes are you worthy is the lamb loyal worthy amen a great big praise in this place this morning. I'm going to take it downtown Brooklyn for a second. Like this. Oh! I'm going to teach you a song. It says, Oh Lord, you have turned my morning into dancing over and over I will all 
always worship you. Worship you. You are my joy. to do it but he did in a two dancing but oh my sorrow I remember crying all night long but he turned my sorrow to joy yes he did yes he did yes he did because you have been he's the lifter of how let me say you are my joy you are my joy. Who can I win? I will always worship. Worship you for you. You are my joy. I will always worship. Worship you. You are my joy. If he's your joy, let me hear you shout, yeah! Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, my God, my joy. Yeah. Now the Bible says to clap your hands, all ye people. And if you're radical, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Ooh, yeah. Here's the part I like. It says, you turn in a dancing he did it over yeah he turned yeah he did it over yes he did yes see he turned my morning no joy in my life I remember the clouds were over my head but like the sun God broke through this is what he did he lifted my burdens he gave me peace of mind he gave me joy unspeakable
You better sit down for the holy rollers get excited in here. Ray, you were playing a song I wrote years ago. Could you, yeah, come in, come. I didn't even re hardly remember that song. I wrote that song about 20 years ago. I was about four at the time. It's not nice laughing. Baby, would you like to sing it? Are you sure? It's a song. I wrote this song at a time in my life. I'd been traveling and singing. I never realized that God could use me because I didn't really consider myself a singer. I just considered myself a, a church boy. And at the time, I don't know if I told the story before. I'm not going to make it long. My son was traveling with me, but he wasn't serving God. And, um, he had gotten into some bad stuff. He was breaking and entering in people's homes. He was, got arrested, put in jail, broke into a church in our neighborhood, and stole a computer. He's drinking and driving and drugs and all kind of stuff going on. And the more I prayed, the worse he got. Here I am, this church guy traveling around the world, singing about God, saying how good he is. But the inside, my heart was broken for my son because he wanted nothing to do with God and nothing to do with church. He wanted nothing to do with God or church. But he traveled with me as my sound man because I hired him to be my sound man. He was working at Dunkin' Donuts and he said, well, I'll make more money traveling with my father. So I pulled him out of the donut shop of which kind of made me sad because I used to get free donuts, but that's another thing. Mm. Anyhow, um, so I brought him on the road Sean wanted nothing to do with church he did sound an amazing job we sent him to audio school but he hated God he hated church people and he hated me and um, he would do the sound I haven't told this story in years but when you played that song this is the reason why I wrote this song and um, I remember I remember being in service after service and that Sean would do the sound people would worship he wanted nothing to do with it. As a matter of fact, Sean used to come to my service high. He was high on drugs. Sometimes he was just up there just zoned. Because I grew up in church and I never really did drugs. I didn't know that he was high. I just thought he was just mellow. I didn't know what it was. And uh, one time I came to him and said, Sean, when you were a kid, you gave your heart to Jesus. Why don't you give me the opportunity of bringing you back to the Lord? And my son said, no, Dad, that's not who I am. That's who you are. You know, he went to college right out here at University of Rhode Island. He went to URI on a football scholarship, but left after two years. And I started thinking, what a failure I am as a father. What's the sense of traveling around the world telling people about Jesus? And my own son don't even want to know who God is. It's interesting, though, you know, someone told me years later, they said, well, you know, God is the best heavenly father there is and he's got rebellious kids too. <laughs> but one day we're singing and ministering somewhere in Canada, somewhere and we're singing. And as I'm singing, I look up and I see our son 
by the sound booth and I see this guy that looks just like him. And I'm singing, he's got his hands up like this. And I'm thinking, wow, that looks just like our, whoa, that is him. You know, after you pray for something for so long and it doesn't happen, you almost just give up on it. And I'm looking up there and I'm thinking, whoa, either Sean has gotten saved or there's a holdup at the sound booth. I don't have time to tell the story, but that was many years ago, and now he's saved, serving God, two children. He's working um, He's working with inner city youth, kids with rebellion problems, kids who come from broken and fractured families. He's a Christian rap artist. And I remember thinking that with all the praying, all the crying we did, that even when I didn't know, even in the seasons when I not wanted to give up, but I gave up, that God has an appointed time. And when Sean's heart became soft, God was there with his arms wide open to receive him. So my prayer is this, look, who needs another church service? Who needs three fast songs, three slow songs, three points in a conclusion? That's boring. But if the presence of God, his manifested presence is here, something supernatural can happen. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter what your experience. If God moves in a powerful way, which he always wants to do, and if our hearts are open, you can be an atheist. If your heart is open, let God speak to you right where he is and right where you are. Touch me, Lord. And I won't be the same. Move in this place today. Do you know the verse? It says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, the captives are set free. So as we offer up, our sacrifice of praise. Let your Holy Spirit breathe on us, we pray. Move in this place today. This is my one desire that you would have your way. Touch me, Move on. I prom promise 
Pastor John, I'd get you out by 3 p.m., but I intend to do that. I might be here by, might be here by myself, but that's all right. I don't come alone. I come with the best thing that's ever happened to me. And um, my wife, Joy, is an amazing wife, amazing woman, a mother, grandmother. We have nine grandchildren. And... Um, <laughs> And, uh, and she's just um, the most amazing thing. She's, she's a great leader and um, a beautiful woman. I told the early church when I say she's, she's beautiful and she's gorgeous and her eyes shine. I told the church this morning, you know, that when a man looks at his wife's face, he should see his reflection. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. <laughs> She is, though. She, um, she spent most of her life, most of her adult life, as a missionary to Haiti, but not just a missionary. God used her, and she built this huge organization out there that had nothing to do with me. I didn't even know her in those days. And she built this organization that fed thousands and thousands of people, built five churches, leadership, raised up leaders, guys who were just young boys now have become pastors and overseers in their own right, schools, homeless shelter, clinic, sent young ladies to school to become nurses. I mean, thing after thing after thing that God did. In January of 2010, they went through a great earthquake in Haiti, and God used her in an amazing way as they began to rebuild. And uh, just amazing, when, when, we, when, when we go to Haiti, she's a rock star there because she's been there so long. And any Haitians here? Any Haitians? Oh, we have Haitians over here. Okay. And, um, you know, can I say this to the Haitians? I, when I fly to Haiti, I got to tell you, I love Haiti. I love the Haitian people. But your airport at Port-au-Prince, it scares me. That's Port-au-Prince Airport. That's scary. And whenever I go to foreign countries, I'm always looking for kidnappers, right? So, so we go to Haiti, and they don't know me, but they'll know her. So as soon as we get off the plane, Soon as we get off the plane and get into the area, all of a sudden, the people see her. Some of the workers in the airport, some of them were just young kids when she first went. They see her and they go, they call her Madame Joie, Miss Joy. Madame Joie! And, and they speak Haitian Creole. And she speaks Creole. She's from Canada, but she's learned the language. She speaks Haitian Creole. So they go, Madame Joie! She goes, They're just talking and dancing and jumping. All of a sudden, there's some guy coming down. Madame Joie! Madame Joie! And they're hugging and jumping and stuff, right? And I'm, I'm standing there watching all this go on. Everybody's Madame Joie and they're speaking. So finally, one of the guys comes over to me because I'm with her. And he looks at me. And <laughs> he thinks I'm a Haitian that graduated the food program. You know what I'm saying? So he speaks to me in Creole, he goes, and they don't realize I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> so I just go, yabba-dabba-doo, I'm gonna tell you one quick story. I don't know if I told the story here before. I'm gonna tell a quick story and then I'm out of the way. We were, we were going to the bush and I'm, I'm used to singing in churches with platforms. She's used to preaching under mango trees. And, uh, <laughs> with goats and pigs running at the altar, you know? And uh, so we go into the bush, and we, I told you, it was bushy. 
And I, we're in the bush, it was, it was Joy, myself, some of her workers and her security people, if you want to call them security. These guys were so skinny, I could blow them and knock them over. So I'm taking over the operation. I'm running the security operation. So we go into the bush. I'm standing there like the Secret Service, checking things out. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, all these little kids come around. They come, in, they come out of the trees. The trees turned into kids. I don't know where they came from. 30, 40 kids. And she's talking, kissing kids, and giving candy and talking to them. And all of a sudden, there were these older uh, ladies. They were... They looked like skeleton. They were so malnourished. Their skin was like leather. But they saw her and they'd kiss her. Madame Joanne, they're kissing. And some of the young girls and ladies would bring their babies. And their babies had no clothes on. And they were dirty and filthy. And their nose was running. She would take the little dirty babies and hold them and kiss them with snot running everywhere. It was just amazing. I'm like, whoa. I'm from the hood, but I ain't seen nothing like this before. <laughs> but I don't have time anyway to be kissing babies. I'm the head of security. So they're kissing and everybody's talking. She's speaking and going in and out of little huts and speaking to people and, and helping people. Some she's giving clothes and some have open wounds and sores on their leg and she's dressing them. She's delivered babies there, all kind of stuff. So all of a sudden I'm standing there on my post handling things like we do in Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden I see these three young guys. They have no shirts, cut off pants and they're coming through the bush and they're walking like this, right? Coming in our direction and they have machetes so I look at them and I go I'm not really security I'm just a gospel singer I don't I not, I'm a lover not a fighter help me Jesus please I don't want to die here please God so they're coming closer they're coming closer right and I'm thinking okay they ain't gonna mess with my boo they ain't mess with my woman I can't fight but I can scratch him hard I scratch so they're coming closer and I'm thinking oh God Please don't let him hurt us. So for, for a moment, I thought about grabbing her, putting her in front of me. I'm thinking, like, look, you know, I'm too young to die. But she's a good woman. She'll go right to heaven. I got some issues I got to still deal with, Lord. So give me time. But no, so I said, well, I'll, I'll take one of them out. So as they get closer, as they get closer, they got these big machetes. As they get closer, they look at her. And they say, oh, Madam And I'm thinking, what? She even knows the kidnappers. What's the deal? Secret between you and I. I found out they really weren't kidnappers. They were just, <laughs> they were young boys going to go cut sugar cane. That's all they were going to do. <laughs> but anyway, God has used an amazing way. And now she's turned that mission over to the leaders that she's raised up. And God is using us together as we travel around the world singing about how God renews and restores and gives second chances. And I love this woman. She's going to share with you this morning. Would you welcome my wife, Joy Slaughter? Don't go changing, trying to please me. I love you just the way. Okay, there are people here singing Billy Joel songs right over here. Coming to the altar right now, right? Take a bit. Good morning, church. I love the way you're dancing this morning and worshiping. You're all awake in this second service, and it's awesome to be here. Um, I think I mentioned this before when we were here last time, but I'm just going to mention again. How many of you, um, from the time you were little kids, have had desires in your heart? God's put some desires in your heart. And you know, 
some of us, those desires come to pass. But for me, I was carrying this one desire from the time I was a little girl, and it just never came to pass, but it wouldn't go away. And the Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, I believe it is, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, time went on and that desire never came to pass. So if you're anything like me, um, this morning you're going to see I'm very real and very human. I tried to do it on my own. I tried to work that out on my own. Has anybody else ever done that? Just me. Well, it didn't work out. It all fell apart. So one day I just said, God, I don't know why this desire won't leave. I'm just going to lay it down. And I'm just going to continue to delight myself in you and just forget about that desire. I'm going to totally let it go and let it die. So I just delighted myself in the Lord over and over. And before I knew it, that desire came to pass. Has anyone else had that happen? And I'm going to share with you this morning that what that desire was. From the time I was a little girl, I always wanted to adopt a black baby. But I forgot to tell God what size. <laughs> See, he, he thinks he can tease me up here, but I always know how to get him back, you know? But you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are different than our thoughts. And the way God would work something out is different than the way we would do it. And his ways are much better because I have never had to change a diaper. He says, not yet. <laughs> the day might be coming. <laughs> God is a good God. Amen? Amen. I just want to read to you this morning, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That's when Christ is strong in us. Our strength is not in ourselves. In fact, we are stronger when we're at our weakest because that is when Christ's power can work most through us. Our weaknesses are something to treasure because they give us the chance to see God show himself in our lives in the incredible ways only he can. When you are weak, that's when Jesus shows up. That's when he's strong. You know, when, when you're doing things out of your own strength, You've already got your reward. That, that's not where God works in your life. That's where you're working. When you're working and giving God your weaknesses, that's when he is working in you. And I want to encourage some of you this morning because life comes along, you know, life comes along and it beats us up. And it beats us down. And in our failures, we feel like we can't accomplish anything for Christ. The enemy comes along and whispers in our ear and tells us we're nobody. And we have no value. But Jesus comes along and he says, Ah, I see a place where I can work. I see an empty vessel, a vessel where I can come in and pour in my strength. You know, when I was first called to Haiti, many of you don't know, but um, I was in a deep time of depression. And I was weak, I was depressed, I was hopeless. And when God called me, he put that call in my heart to go to Haiti. I said, I said, God, 
how, how can I go to Haiti? How can I minister to the most hopeless people in the Western Hemisphere when I myself am hopeless? And God spoke to me very real that day, and he said, I've called you because you know what hopelessness feels like. And some things we can learn from a book, but other things you have to walk through to know what it feels like, what others are going through. You know, Jesus went through everything so he could understand what we go through. And when God called me to Haiti, many of you may not realize, but I was a pastor's daughter who was a high school dropout. I was a pastor's daughter gone wrong. And I had been a high school dropout. So, you know, I'm like, God, I have nothing. I didn't know how to speak in front of people. I was nervous. I was shy. I was, I was depressed. But God called me, and I had this desire in my heart to serve God. I wanted to make something out of my life, and I didn't feel very useful or very valuable, but I thought, you know what? I'll go. I'll obey the voice of God. I'll go. At least I know how to hug people. I know how to smile at people. I know how to love people. I know how to uh, pass out clothing, pass out food. So I went to Haiti, and I had been there for quite some time, just loving on people, enjoying every minute of my experiences there. And one day these pastors, these young pastors, they were in their early 20s, and they all felt God had called them to be pastors. They wanted to do a church plant in this remote village, and they were going to do a test church there to see if they could grow a church there, and if that went well, then they would build a permanent building. And, you know, just like in America, when we're going to do a grand opening of a church, we often bring in a special guest speaker, right? Or a special music artist, and um, like Alvin Slaughter. So, um, so they were trying to think who they could get, you know, and they knew of this, this missionary young, young lady, this missionary lady from Canada, and, you know, a missionary knows how to preach. Of course, that's what they believe, right? So they thought, we'll, we'll get Joy, Madame Joie, to be our special speaker that Sunday. So they came to me and approached me and asked if I would do the opening service. And all of a sudden, I went into a panic in my brain. You know, in milliseconds, I'm, I'm fighting with God, saying, they're asking me and talking in one here. And, and I'm in the other ear, I'm hearing the enemy saying, I can't do it. And, and I'm fighting with my own words and my own thoughts saying, I can't do this. I've never even barely given a testimony in front of church. And I'm like, God, why would you have me uh, stretch me like this? Why would you have me step out of my comfort zone? Why couldn't you have done it in my home church, in my home country, in front of my, my friends and people who I already know and love me? And I'm fighting. But on the other hand, I thought, if I don't, say, yes, they're never going to respect me. They're just going to think I'm even more of a nothing and a nobody. So before I realized it, just out of my mouth, I said, yes, I'll do it. So as I was preparing my message, which I don't even remember what it was, I thought, God, what do I even talk to these people about? I don't, I don't know how to, you know, do three points like you were saying and an opening and a closing and all that, that was really scary. I didn't know what I would even talk to them about. But then, you know, I grew up, um, my father was a pastor. There's many pastors in my family. My father was a pastor, and I thought, oh, I believe God gave me wisdom. You know, God uses the foolish things, he says, to confound the wise. 
And I believe he gave me a little wisdom because I remembered something from when I was growing up. I remembered the power of distraction. Have you ever come to church and the pastor's kind of wearing a crazy tie or something and you don't hear a thing he says? No, not, not in this church, no. All nice ties, yes. <laughs> well, that would happen sometimes. And, but I remembered one specific time, you know. My father, he, had, he was going bald here. And so sometimes white men, when they go bald, they grow this side of their hair really long and then they comb it over to cover up the bald spot. Well, my father, we call that a comb over, and my father had a nice comb over. So he got up to preach one Sunday morning, and uh, all of a sudden, the comb over fell over. And he's trying to preach, and it's just flapping away, flapping away. Well, my mother, she's very gracious, classy lady, much like Pastor Anita. Pastor Anita reminds me a lot of my mother. She has those fine qualities of a woman. My mother just couldn't take it. She didn't, she dotes on my father. So she got up out of her seat, took a comb out of her purse, came up on the platform, combed his hair, and then went and sat back down and service carried on. And everyone heard the message after that. I remember another time, my father, we, he didn't have an iPad or anything like that back in those days. So he had uh, his, his sheets stapled together and he had a tweed jacket on. And I guess he was like this. And his elbow got caught, the staple got caught in his elbow. So he's going around and those notes were just flapping away. And he's like, I don't know where I put my message this morning. And he couldn't find his notes, but they were stapled to his tweed jacket. So my mother had to rescue him then too. But I thought, distraction. Now what would distract the Haitian people? And I knew them very well. So I remembered that anytime I wore nice jewelry or anything, costume jewelry, they loved that. And I had some pretty nice shoes. So I thought, if I put on my nicest shoes that really sparkle, they're going to really, really like and notice those shoes. And they won't pay any attention to what I have to say, because I have nothing to say. So anytime, you know, even now, anytime if I wear different boots or shoes, you just know that's kind of what's going on, that I have nothing to say. So it's the power of distraction. So anyway... <laughs> So anyway, I got up there that Sunday morning with my nice shoes on and my little message, and I forgot something, though. Now, this church was a test church, so it was made of, the walls were woven coconut leaves, the, the floor was dirt, and the platform was these rickety old boards on cement blocks, and it was very shaky, and there was gaping holes in between. So I'm up there in my heels getting ready to, to speak, and I'm already shaking because I'm so nervous. And part, my message was going along fine. They're all looking at my shoes, and I'm just talking, you know. And all of a sudden, I went to step back, and my heel got caught, and I, I almost went flat on my back, but I caught myself. Now, I was so embarrassed. Everyone reacts to embarrassment differently. Some people cry, some people go red. I started laughing uncontrollably, and I couldn't stop. But inside, I was really upset. I'm thinking, God, you know, I was obedient to you. I gave up my life to come to Haiti. Now I'm obeying. You know I can't speak, but I choose to obey you and step out of the boat, step out of my comfort zone, and you don't even have my back. And I'm kind of fighting with God. I hope it's okay I say that. I'm just very real. I'm a complainer. 
So <laughs> I'm one of God's kids who cries and kicks and screams and complains. So, but he knows how to deal with me. So anyway, I was really humiliated inside. And I couldn't stop laughing, so I finally wrapped up my message and I sat down feeling totally humiliated. I'm like, God, you know I'm weak in this area and you didn't have my back. And I felt so defeated. And service finished and those pastors came to me and they said, Madame Joie, we want to have a word with you in our office. Now, have you ever been called to the principal's office? Or the pastor's office? Not here. They're very gracious and kind. Have you ever been called, you know, by, you know, your mother says, wait till your father gets home? Well, it felt like that. I was so nervous and so intimidated and so humiliated inside. So we went to their office. Outside, there was a table under a mango tree with a little... Uh, a board on some cement blocks again, that was the office table, and they sat on some planks across from me, and I was on this side all by myself. And in those offices, you have to be careful because a mango can suddenly fall and hit you in the head and take you out. So um, that's scary in itself. So we were in the office there, and they looked at me, and they said, you know, Madame Joie, we, we watched you speaking this morning, and, and we want to share something with you. You know, when the government in Haiti decides to turn the electricity on every now and then, a lot of villages will have one common TV that the people can go and share and watch something together on when that happens. We have that rare occasion. And they said every now and then we might be fortunate enough to tune into Christian television from America. And there have been times where we have seen on Christian television, how the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is so strong in America. And we have actually seen when, when the power of God hits someone and they go back. And we've also seen when the joy of the Lord, it, it's like it, it just hits them. And it bubbles up within them and they can't even control their laughing. It's just holy laughter bubbling and bubbling out of them. And this morning, we have ne we've only ever seen that on TV. But we witnessed that. We saw the power of God hit you this morning. We saw the joy of the Lord roll out of your belly like a living water. And we want more of that. We believe God's starting a revival here right in this remote village. And we want more of that. Please, we want more. And I looked at them that morning and I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Do you know that it was that experience that months down the road, those pastors came to me. They respected me. It was that one experience where I was such a nothing, where I was such a failure. They came to me and they asked me if I would be their bishop and if I would be their leader. And for 18 years, we banded together and we built churches, we did feeding programs, we built schools for primary children coming from voodoo families, we built a big three-story uh, business school to educate a thousand students a year, we sent people to college, we opened a clinic, we did goat projects, microloans, everything you can imagine, we built homes, whatever the need was, we banded together in unity and we brought change to those villages. We even survived an earthquake. 
that destroyed about 80% of our buildings. And we never gave up. God walked us through, and we started from the ground up again and built everything God told us to rebuild. And it was in 2013, which was always my vision, I was able, those leaders had been raised up to a place where they knew they didn't need me anymore. I knew that they could do it on their own. It's like raising your children, passing the mantle to someone else, and gave everything back to them. And they are still moving forward. And things are still happening in those villages. And God is still moving. Some of you, God's got you planted somewhere and you're just so tight in your comfort zone. And you're too afraid to step out because it's very scary. And you know there's weak areas in your life. But I'm telling you, just like Peter had to step out of the boat, God wants you to step out. He's calling some of you to take that first step. God cannot bless what you haven't started doing. God will never take that first step for you. He will never take that first step to you. You're going to have to get out there and trust those planks. There was a pastor from Canada came to me once they wanted to bring a mission team to Haiti. And they were from a little community that a lot of the people live on uh, welfare. There's not a lot of work or opportunity there. And he said, we don't know what we can do, but um, would you be willing to take us for the experience? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. Well, someone from their church was joking with this 76-year-old man and said, why don't you come along? They were just kidding around. Well, this 76-year-old man had never been on a mission trip. He had always paid the way for others to go, but never himself in all of his life been on one. And he thought, I I do want to go. He took them at their word. This man stuttered. He couldn't talk very well. He stuttered. What he did for a living, he lived in the bush. He cut down trees for people. So if people needed a tree cut down, they'd call him. He'd cut the tree down. And he was a divorced man. He had no purpose really in life. His life had been broken so many times. He stuttered. He lived in the bush alone, but he wanted to go on this trip. And the pastor said, I don't know what to do. Like, and he even wants to try speaking. He's always wanted to speak, but he stutters so bad. I said, just bring him along. So we had him on the trip. We went to this very poor village And every time I took a team, I had every team member greet the village people before we would uh, pass out food or clothes or, or meet their physical needs. So I put him up first. I said, why don't you come and speak this morning? And you can be the main speaker today. And he got up there, and he was shaking because he had a little bit of a shaking problem. And love just poured out of his lips. Love just poured out of his lips. He ministered to their brokenness from his own brokenness. When that man went home, his whole life changed at 76 years old. His house had been paid off. He lived alone. And that man, people would call him to cut down a tree, and they would say, how much do you charge? He said, whatever you want to give me. Do you know all of that money he kept pouring into the mission? That man from 76 to the time I retired from the mission field in 2013 went on nine mission trips with me. 
And do you know he alone gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to the ministry? His whole life changed. God, God gave him purpose at 76 years old and launched him into something new, and he came alive. And people got so tired in their community of hearing about Haiti from him, they just wanted him to go away. <laughs> but he just, it just grabbed him, and he came alive. And some of you are living in a very, you're like a dead tree. You're in such a comfort zone, which I call a big rut. It's the rut of life. God never wants us to remain comfortable. He wants us to always launch out and do new things and keep growing and keep moving forward. And God's speaking to some of you here today. He's put something in your heart. Some of you know there's something you feel you're supposed to do, but you're too afraid. You're too afraid that God doesn't have your back. But in the very areas you're weak, the very areas you failed in life, those are the areas God wants to come in and use. Attach, you, you know many big names in the Bible. Moses, Noah, David, Peter, Paul, Joshua, many of them. They did great things for God, great and wonderful things. But attached to every one of those names were failures, insecurities, weaknesses, Storms, challenges, defeat, feelings of wanting to give up and quit. This morning, attached to the name Alvin Slaughter, attached to the name Joy Slaughter, there's failures, insecurities, fears, weaknesses, storms, challenges. But in the midst of it all, that's what God wants from you. That's what God wants to flow through. God wants to flow through those veins. And where they are weak, give strength. He wants to give strength. And this morning, I challenge you, have the courage to step out of the boat and listen to that still, small voice he's put inside of you. Don't listen to the roaring lion that says, you can't do it, you're no good. You need to listen to that sweet, still, small voice that says, you can do it. I choose you. I choose you, not because you're equipped, but because you're called, and I'm going to equip you. I promise you this morning, if you step out and trust God and be obedient, God's got your back. Amen? God's got your back. God's got your back. Amen. Thank you. When, when Joy was speaking, I was um, uh, thinking of some things, and the Lord was dealing with my heart, and I said, Lord, why is it that we have a tendency of being so afraid to move forward and to launch out and to deal with change? And one of the things that came to me is that because with all the things that go on in our world, the things that you watch on the news, the thing that happens in your personal journey of life, the job of the enemy, he could care less whether we come to church or not. That's what he wants us to feel is like God is not a good God. He wants to make us feel like the overwhelming circumstances of life that are there 
to bruise you will not just bruise you, but will destroy you. And so our world becomes bigger than our God. But my message to you this morning, Joy's message to you this morning, is that the Lord is good and that his mercy endures forever. And and the light afflictions that we face here on the 90 years, 100 years, 120 years that we have here on earth is not to be compared to the glory that will be revealed. One day in the presence of the Lord will make all this seem small in comparison. That doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. That doesn't mean there won't be overwhelming times. The Bible says in Revelations that God will wipe the tears from our eyes, which means that many of us will deal with pain and hurt and fear. Some of it will be healed, but some of it we'll deal with until we see Jesus face to face. But even before we see Jesus face to face, God wants to give us great victory even in this life. I haven't told this, we haven't told this in many places, but some years ago, and I hope it's okay to say this, some years and years ago, I went through a, a painful and terrible divorce. And um, Joy had walked through her own thing. I didn't know her. And um, here I am. I'm a gospel singer and speaker. I sing and preach the gospel. I give hope to people. And at the same time when that was happening, the economy had shifted. Around 2008 or so, the economy had shifted. In a lot of places I was singing, churches couldn't afford to bring people in and everything changed. So now I went going through a terrible mess of a relationship that was just crumbling after 30 years. The economy was changing. Financially, things were just crazy, battling depression. The enemy, even in the middle of the night, I couldn't sleep. The enemy said, you're done, you're finished. Who even wants to bring in some guy who divorced singer and you can't sing anyway and all this other kind of stuff and we, I was losing everything. I was losing, I'd hold, heavily invested in some other things and real estate, whatever, and I was losing it all a few years ago. And I remember I would go in my car and I'd sit in my car in the parking lot and I'm, I'm, Joy, you inspired me when you were talking about this. I remember sitting in the parking lot and I'd sit in the parking lot for hours and I'd angry at God. Just a few years, I'd say, God, I... I I wouldn't treat my children the way you treat me. I've been singing, traveling around the world for years. And now it's, it's done. It's over with. I said, not only do I know if I'll ever sing again, I don't ever want to sing again. I love you, but I don't want to be involved in ministry anymore. I'll go back and get some kind of a job. I'm done. I'm finished. All my hopes and my dreams have been dashed by my realities. I'm supposed to be this big, strong, tough guy from Brooklyn, but I can't even navigate life. So what's the sense? Everything gone. Everything gone. I don't have time to tell the story. It was a few years after that. We're in a service, and I'm singing. And uh, I see this beautiful lady sitting in the front row. It, It was Joy. I didn't know who she was. And she was sitting next to this big, heavy-set uh, white guy who I thought was her husband. He, really, he wasn't. He was just an usher. And I remember thinking, why is she sitting with that big, fat, white guy for? <laughs> I guess what I'm really saying is she should be with this big, fat, black guy. <laughs> I didn't realize that that woman would one day be my wife and that God would bring a woman into my life who we would walk strong together. And we eventually, after a couple of years, we got married. 
And then God supernaturally began to open these doors after almost being dormant for a while. In the last two or three years, we've been to Africa 12 or 13 times. We go again to Ghana in March. All around the world, God has brought us that God can take ashes. You know what happens with ashes? Ashes are things that are so burned, you don't even know what it is. You can't put ashes back together again. You can put a broken chair back together, but you can't put ashes. But the Bible says he will give you beauty for your ashes. And when you're down in the dumps and you can't even encourage yourself, he'll give you a garment of praise for your spirit of heaviness. So I want to speak not just to your head. I want to speak to your spirit this morning and tell you that whatever you have faced, whatever you are facing and whatever you will face. Don't put your trust in the circumstances. Don't put your trust in CNN. Put your trust in the one that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we can ask or think. So I speak to your spirit today. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Expect great things. Expect it. For years we've been praying for some things for one of our children and just this past week we saw three significant breakthroughs that God did. It wasn't because of our great faith. It was because of his great mercy. And even if it seems like the prayer is not answered the way you think, I promise you when at the end of the day God can take that thing that was meant for bad and turn it around for good. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever would you say it after me would you say the lord is good and his mercy endures forever i speak that to your spirit this morning listen to these words of the song it's just for you it's just for you it says i will give thanks unto you lord for you are good your love and kindness never ends I raise my hand you heal my soul in the presence of the Lord my heart's restored and you guide me in the paths of righteousness and you hide me in the shadow of your hand, I rest in you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I am my Father's child forevermore. You heard every cry. You broke every chain you alone deliver me yeah, yeah, yeah. my prince of yeah, yeah. here's what he did you lifted me you lifted me it's laid under your feet yeah yeah may I praise his being as incense Free. Free. 
is Lord. He, he is Lord. Because He has risen from the dead. And He, He's Lord. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that that Jesus, that Jesus Christ, He is Lord. I want to say it again. See, He's. He's our Lord. Church, He's our Lord. Oh, yes, He is. Because He, He has arisen from the dead. And He, He's Lord. If you believe it, shout yes. If you believe it, shout yes. Because every, 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 that, that Jesus, we pray for healing today. We pray that God would give beauty for ashes, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We pray that out of that belly shall flow rivers of living water. We pray, Lord, for repentance and a renewed life. Because Jesus Christ, He is. warm and balmy but I'm going to ask you to do something a little radical for the 1030 service I know you're conservative I know we're in New England where it's quiet you have even been accused not by me you've been accused of being the frozen chosen by those Yankees down in the city but I got a question for you is anybody in love with Jesus up in here today I didn't ask if you like him Says anybody in love with Jesus today? Well, at the count of three, give God the biggest shout of praise you've got. Go! One, two, three, go!
Okay, this is a war song. War song. Put your hand, put your hand like, uh, uh. Say yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna see if you get my wife to dance with me by the time the song is over. Uh, uh, uh. It's a shout with a voice. Oh, you know it, you know it, bitches. Shout with a voice of praise. 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 With the voice of triumph, shout with the voice of praise. We'll shout our new God. See, triumphant in battle, we are victorious. God is most high. And Satan's defeated. The enemy is under my feet. My feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, we're lifting a shout. Don't wait for the battle to be over. Jesus goes with your soul. Shout. We'll shout a nigga. Told him Jesus has conquered and Satan defeated. The enemy is under my feet, my feet. Yeah, yeah. So we're lifting a shout. We'll march through the darkness. We'll go in Jesus' name. Yes, we will. We'll shout under God. Yeah. Like this, like this. Come on, children, shout for the victory. Yes. See, come on and shout with me. We will. My God. We will, yes, we will, and we'll, yeah, say hey, oh, and we will, dance with me, for the Shout out, nigga. Yeah. Yeah. 
must, we will, will lift up a shout of praise. Yeah. Listen. When in doubt, uh, lift up a shout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We shall. So I will. That she only dance with the Haitians. Only dance with Haitians. Yabba dabba doo, yabba dabba doo. Come on and dance with me. Yeah! What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna uh, uh. If you love Jesus. Shout out to God. Yes, we will. Yeah. New England, everybody, anybody, somebody scream.